Thanks, guys. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, so good to be here. Uh, go ahead and open up your Bibles to uh, Joshua 24, if you've got them with you, or if you've got your device, go ahead and pull up Joshua uh, 24. Um, we'll spend some time in that space. And let me say, like, if you if you have a Bible and you haven't been bringing it, or if you have a Bible and you haven't be, been reading it, I want to let you know, we, we were just kind of talking about the whole idea of fan or follower. Um, it's crucial, it's crucial, uh, our engagement in Scripture um, to move, to make that transition from, man, I'm, I'm just a, a person who is on the sidelines cheering about Jesus, or I'm jumping in the game and, and living a life that's connected to Him. Like, that's one of the biggest changers that will move you in that transition. So, if you haven't been bringing a Bible, or if you, more specifically, if you have not been reading and engaging with Him uh, through the Scriptures, let me, let me encourage you to start doing that. Um, and Joshua 24... Um, everybody warm out there? Everybody cool out there? I don't know why we're checking in and out here, um, but we're just going to cut it, it looks like. Okay. Hello. There we go. I like how that changes your voice a little bit. Okay, so we are in uh, Joshua 20. But this is going to be really difficult for you people who, who are usually here. Like, I wish that dude would just stop talking with his hands. This is going to be really difficult for me because it's hard to do this and still be talking, you know? Um, but, okay, we're in Joshua uh, 24. Uh, so we're spending our time uh, this morning. Do you guys ever feel like you've got uh, some problems in your life? You're like, man, dang, I've got problems. I've got big problems. I've got little problems. I've got people problems, I've got drama problems, I've got work problems. Just like you look at your life and like, man, I just got problems everywhere um, that I look. Um, I do too. And, and I was thinking about that this week and, and I, I had an illustration that kind of came to my mind. And I don't know if this is going to work. You should probably try this before you do it in front of people. Um, but we're going to give this a shot. So I've got some spray paint here. Let's see if it works. Okay, so we got one circle. Sorry for that awkward view, guys. Self-realization is a big thing. Okay, so I've got two circles up here. I've got a small circle, a little inner circle, then I have a larger circle on the outside of that as well. And right now, uh, to the best of my ability here, I'm standing in the middle of the small circle that's on the inside. So uh, if you can't see the circle, there are two that are up here. I've got a small one and a big one. And inside of this circle or inside of these two circles, I can say that when I look at my life, some of the biggest problems or most of my problems, and this may be a gross oversimplification, but most of my problems are found somewhere in the middle of these two circles, right? Obviously, this is... <coughs> kind of philosophical, not actually in the middle of these two circles. So if you're up here looking for my problems, I didn't write them down or anything. Uh, but my problems can be found in the semblance of these two circles. Uh, inside this inner circle, this smaller circle, when I'm standing here, my perspective is that everything on the outside now is revolving around me, right? Because there, there's nothing else inside of this circle. It's just, it's just me, right? You're not inside here with me. And so my perspective when I look out is everyone is here for me. Everyone is here for my glory. Everyone is here to help and to serve me. On the outside of that circle, the perspective changes a little bit, right? As you widen the circle and you get outside of that. 
But this little circle on the inside, my perspective is the whole world then ends up revolving around um, me. And so what I want you to do is, like, I've got my own little circle up here. I want you, in your mind, to go ahead and join me here, okay? Not in my circle, but I want you to go ahead and draw a circle in your mind. So when you look inside, okay, go ahead and draw a little circle around yourself as you're thinking. And then after you draw that little circle, go ahead and make a much larger circle outside of that circle so that we're all kind of standing in the center of our own little circle, right? Because inside of our own little circle, our perspective is the same. Yours is the same as mine. When you're inside of that little thing, everything on the outside is it's revolving around you. The perspective doesn't really change uh, that much. And so the idea is when I walk into the center stage, yeah, please, that'd be great. Trying to hold things down up here with my elbow and in my hands, and that's perfect. Thanks, buddy. There we go. That would be helpful. All right. So it, it's my experience that from the inside of this circle, or the inside of both of these two circles, are where most of my problems end up coming from because when I'm at the center of my own little world, everything else has to revolve around me. There's no other option, right? And so like when I walk into a restaurant, I've got my circle. When I walk home or when I go home to my wife, I go home and I've got my little circle. When I go home to my kids, I have my little circle around me. When I go to work, I have my little circle. When I go to the gym, I'm inside of my little circle. Like everywhere I go, my circle goes with me, right? And everywhere you go, your circles end up going with you uh, as well, which makes everything else on the outside of those circles begin to revolve around your own little circle. Now, for some of us, we think about that like, man, that sounds great. That sounds great because inside with that idea, everything going around me and everything working around to my preferences, that is fantastic because from my perspective, we're, we're, we end up being the, the kind of the king or the queen of my own little space, of our own little world. But here is where the rub comes in when it's just us being the little king or the little queen of our own life. When I'm at the center and I act like, like the, the king of my own little world or the queen of my own little world, the, then everything else and everyone else kind of has to bow down to me, right? My spouse then has to bow down to me. My kids then have to bow down to me. My roommates or my coworkers, they have to bow down to me or they have to, it's your circle, they have to bow down to you. And when we're at the center stage, all of our, uh, and, and, and our little circles, what ends up happening is my little circle starts bumping into your circle. And then your little circle starts bumping into to my circle. And before too long, problems begin to shoot up, don't they? Because you can't have the world revolving around two different people. The world has to revolve around one certain thing here. And because you can't have two kings that are sitting on the throne, you can't have two queens that are sitting on the throne. And when that begins to happen, when our circles start colliding, the problems begin to come up because worlds begin to collide. And now most of the time, Healthy people can look at their lives and be like, ah, you know, I, I understand that. I, like, I get that. I understand that the world doesn't revolve around me. I get that the universe doesn't revolve. Like, not everybody has to, to bow down to me. Everything doesn't revolve around my perspective and my desires and my intentions. It just doesn't work like that. Now, even though we might realize that and understand that, healthy people may not always live from that perspective, but they understand if somebody were to say, like, hey, the world doesn't revolve around them. They'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. it you're right. It doesn't. 
But the problem is that not everybody is in a healthy place. They're, they're, from an unhealthy perspective, people tend, like you say, hey, the world doesn't revolve around you. There's a guttural reaction to that. What do you mean the world doesn't revolve around me? Like I've built my world for it, everything to revolve around me. And so there's this reaction when you tell an unhealthy person that the world doesn't revolve around them. And so sometimes one of the greatest things that we can hear or one of the most healthiest things that can happen in our life is to have these little circles begin to be realigned where we look at and say, you know what? I'm not the center of the world. I'm not the center of the universe that I can begin to look outside of my own perspective and to look in from another perspective, right? For us to take the difficult choice to step outside of our, of our own private little circle and to realize that the world was never intended, was never designed to revolve around us. And if the world doesn't revolve around us, that means that it revolves around something or somebody else. And if that's true, and it is, then it's a, a good idea for us to get to know the one who the world revolves around. The one, or to get reacquainted with the one that the world actually revolves around, right? And so my hope this morning, my goal this morning is for us to kind of realize and begin to realign our circles together, right? For us to be honest and say, yeah, you know what? Sometimes things get a little kind of re misaligned in my life. Sometimes things get a little mixed up. I've bumped into some problems. And those problems have typically become because my perspective from inside of my circle doesn't allow me to see beyond myself sometimes. And, and I've lived like the world revolves around me. And, and so, yeah, there are some outside forces. There's some outside things that bring trouble into our world. But a lot of the times, the problems that we bump into is because we've isolated ourselves in these little circles and everything is according to our perspective. But the reality is that we don't have to leave here the same way that we came. But if, if, if you walked here this morning, if you drove in here this morning, you sat down and you had the perspective, whether knowingly or unknowingly, like everything hinges on what I say, what I do, how I respond, and everything is here for my existence, for my world to feel better, you don't have to leave here the same way. You may want to leave the same way, but I'm going to tell you, you don't have to leave the same way. So my desire is for the time that we spend this morning is to step outside of our own circles and to stop acting like the world revolves around us and to take a look back and to see who it actually revolves uh, uh, around, okay? And so I, what I want to do is I want to look at Joshua 24. And in Joshua 24, God does one of these great realignments to the circles that are, that's, that are kind of been drawn in the sand or in the land uh, so that for the express purpose that people can experience his goodness, so they can experience the goodness uh, of God. Now, I think to understand um, really our, our own faith and how just amazing God's ridiculous grace is for us, that we kind of have to, to some degree, understand like a little bit of the history of Israel. See, like God's desire was always to bless his people, right? His desire was always to bless Israel and through Israel to bless all of the world. His desire has always been from day one to bless his people. And, and the blessing for him was a blessing that was twofold, a blessing of his presence that says, wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. So wherever you go, you never go in it alone. I will be there with you. That is the blessing of his presence. But another side of it was the blessing of his creative hands to say, hey, wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. But I also, I want to give you the good things of the land. I want to give you not only the good things of the land, but I want to give you the good things that come from my hands, right? I want to bless you in so many different ways. It's always been his desire to bless his children. But just as in our own real life scenarios, think about it, moms and dads, if, you, if you've got kids here, right? 
Think about the real life scenario. When your kids act up, right? It's not, it's not a if they're going to, it's a when they act up. When they act up, you have to discipline, right? Like you don't really have a choice. Like you have to. It's not your desire to, it's not the first thing like, I want to have kids one day so I can discipline them so I can let them know who's in charge. That's not how we roll. But when our kids act up, there's this reality that we have to do that. Like our desire, our first desire is like, man, we want to give them good things. We want to give them the goodness of relationship with us. We want to give them the goodness of, of the works of our hands. We want to have a life-giving relationship and openness with them. But you can't just let your kids go crazy, right? <laughs> and I hope that's not news to you, right? I hope that's not, like you can't just let your kids go crazy because you want goodness for them. And you know that living a crazy life and just wiling out all the time, that that's never going to lead to a good thing. It's never going to lead to good things for them. And the outcome is never going to be right. And, and so discipline, then, it becomes necessary. And discipline, then, becomes even something that's actually loving to them. Like, we, we try to shy away from it, but it's actually a loving thing to discipline our children, or even in the context of Hebrews, in the context of all of Scripture, to be disciplined by the Lord. Because it was never intended to be punitive. It was always intended to bring us back into a right relationship with Him where we can experience the goodness of His hand. And so it's the same thing with the Lord, right? In our own real-life experience with our kids, discipline is necessary and it's loving, but it's also the same with the Lord. His desire is to bless, but when His kids act up, right? <laughs> when they act up, and they will act up, he has to discipline. It's in his goodness to discipline. But the discipline was never intended to be punitive. It was always intended to bring them back to blessing. Uh, this blessing of unbroken fellowship with him and so that they might receive the, the, the creative blessing, the creative works of his hands as well. The idea was that I want to be with you, unbroken relationship, and I want to give you the good things that I've created as well. And so God set it up like this. I'm to be the center of your life. When you revolve around me, you're going to experience the goodness of my presence. And you're going to experience the goodness of my creative hands. But when you get this thing out of alignment, when you draw the circle around yourself and the perspective is your perspective is the only thing that you can see, you start putting me on the outside and on the fringes of your life where I'm on the outside of the circle and I'm out here and I'm revolving around you. And I'm like, oh, what's Anthony doing? Oh, man, everything's going good for him. Oh, everything's going bad for him. And if you think that I have to revolve around you, then you've got this thing out of, out of alignment. The world wasn't intended to revolve around us. And so then problems start coming in. There's going to be discomfort because of a disconnect from him. And not only this disconnect from him, but there's going to be a vision problem that takes place too. The perspective that we have on reality and the perspective that we have on, on real life, it's going to be warped. It's going to be jaded. We're not going to see things the way everything that happens is going to now be a personal attack to us because it's my world. I'm in the center of it. It, it, it's not that, hey, things like God is working this for my good and God is bringing me back into a good relation. Everything is now an attack on me. You are personally going after me. So our, our, when our circles are misaligned, things start to fall apart. And so in order to get that back in alignment, then discipline for God was, was necessary. Not to be punitive, again, but to bring Israel back into this blessing of, of God. And so throughout the course of Israel's history, and, and try to see if this has been the course of your life as well. Because when I look at Israel's history, I can be like, man, dude, I, like, why'd you keep doing that? 
like, like you can't walk, like that's not good. That's a cycle. That's just bad. But when I look at their history, I have to put it against the course of the history of my life too. And I, and I can't, and I can say, I, I don't stray very far from how their cycle worked out. So see if you can identify with this at all. Israel, they would experience the blessing of God. They would begin to revolve around him and then they would take his grace for granted. Then they would begin to draw the circle around themselves and say, you know what? I'll choose what's best for me. You don't get to choose what's best for me any longer. I'll choose what's best for me. And then that eventually leads to them choosing other gods, the gods of the land. It eventually leads to them living in sinful patterns for the life that is detrimental to them and to those around them. It's got ripple effects. And then God comes in and in his goodness, in his grace and in his love, he brings discipline. He realigns the circles for them. Things are good for a bit. And then the pattern repeats itself. Rinse, what is it? Wash, rinse, cycle, whatever that is, repeat, right? Go through the same cycle over and over and over again. And when I look at my life, I'm like, man, my life is way too close to mirroring what Israel did. Is there anybody honest enough? Like usually I don't make us raise hands, but is there anybody honest enough to say, you know what? That's been the cycle of my life too. Like I, I have lived in this pattern of, yeah, thank you for the five people who are honest out there. Appreciate you. Um, like I, my hand is up, right? Because I'm not outside of sin. I'm not outside of, of the enticement of the world that's in front of us, right? And so the cycle of my life has been, man, I have been blessed by God. And at some point I take that for granted. And then I say, you know what? I'm going to draw this circle around myself and inside this circle, I get to decide what's right. I get to decide what's wrong. I get to decide what's going to bless me. I get to do whatever I want inside of this. And in that, I fall into sinful patterns. I choose things that aren't good for me. And in that place, God comes in in his goodness and his grace, and he recorrects, he realigns my, my circles, gives me a different perspective, and says, hey, because of my goodness, I'm going to discipline you, and I'm going to bring you back in this place so that you can experience my goodness. That is my history over and over and over again. But in his goodness... He helps us to realign. And so when we, uh, like, how, how frustrating must that be to be God, right? Like, like to, to continue to realign this thing over and over and over again, to see his people who he loves so deeply to choose to spiral out of control in, in a circle that we tend to draw around ourselves. And so when we come to Joshua 24, we step right into the middle of one of these realignment moments. And so the scene is Joshua, he's getting ready um, to die. He's been the leader of Israel for a while. He's led them into the promised land. They are there, they, the, they have um, come into this land. They've been there for a while. They fight battle after battle um, to get to where they are right now. But they've gone into a land that, that wasn't theirs, right? This wasn't their land. They've gone and, and, and so they were tasked to, to really wipe out the land. But instead of wiping out the land, they ended up leaving some people along. And so when they left people there, there were people who didn't know who God was. There were people who did not care about the lifestyle of, uh, uh, of morality and ethics that were governed by a king who was God and not a king of the land or pagan gods of the land. They just didn't know. They didn't know how God wanted to bless his people. And so, what, so they walked into a place that had systems in place. There were people and vices in place. There were idols in place. There were false gods and sexual immorality in place that is running rampant in the land and that's threatening the devotion and the desire of every man, woman, and child who's going to be standing in that land, right? It's all around them. Things that are going to fight for their affections and for their devotions that, that are going to lead them away. It's everywhere that they look. And Joshua comes in and he draws a couple circles. He draws a small circle and he draws 
a big circle for them. And so we're going to pick up in verse 14, but I want you to know in the first 13 verses, there's no less than 17 times where, where Joshua points out the work that God has done. He said, I took you out of the land. I gave you. I defeated them. I brought you. I did this. I rescued you. You got from slavery to where you are right now because of the mighty work of my hands. You didn't do any of this. 17 times. He says, I did this work. I came through for you. I didn't bail out on you. When you bailed on me, I didn't bail on you. 17 times he reminds him, this was the work of my hand. In fact, in verse 13, he says, I gave you land that you didn't labor for and cities that you did not build. Though you live in them, you're eating from vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant. In other words, he's saying you had nothing to do with the blessing that you're experiencing right now. It had nothing to do with it. It was all me. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read uh, verse 14 uh, down to verse 24. And then we'll come back and we'll do a little bit of dialogue on it, okay? So here's 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in all faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods that your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And I want you to know neither one of those options were good, right? Not, not the gods of the fathers or the gods of the land. Like he's not saying like there's a better option than these two bad options. He's saying these are futile in comparison to serving the Lord. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve the other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us, out of our fa- who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to people, you're not able to serve the Lord for he's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forget your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he'll turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said, no, like, but we will serve the Lord. Verse 22, then Joshua said to the people, well, your witnesses against yourselves that you've chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we will serve in his voice. We will obey. Okay, so if we're talking about redrawing the circles here, we're talking about getting ourselves out of the center and getting God to the center where he belongs. This is where Joshua starts with Israel. He draws a little circle and he draws a big circle and he puts God right smack dab in the middle so that he is the focus of attention. There is no trying to second guess who he's focusing on. This is not about Israel. This is about the God who has been leading them. He's at the center of attention here. Look at verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. And serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. I want you, if you've got your Bible or your device, I want you to underline those words, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. If I were to ask you what it means to fear the Lord, how would you respond to that? I'm guessing that there's going to be a variance from person to person when we talk about the fear of the Lord. For some of you, fear is all you know. Like you hear, fear the Lord, and you're like, yeah, I fear, man, I'm simply scared to death of him. I'm afraid that if I mess up, 
Like he's going to just strike me down right now. If I say the wrong thing, if I do the wrong thing, if I go the wrong place, like when I turn around or when I say that, like he is going to strike me down right now. He's just going to completely wipe me out. And so for you, you live in this 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 unhealthy place of trepidation of God, just scared to death of him. And for others, when you hear fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord, Fear for you might be something that is completely Old Testament focused, right? It's an Old Testament flavor that was then, this is now, that's something that happened way back then. Like, like, that's not who God is now. God is a God that's full of grace and he's full of love. He's not a God who's full of judgment. That's just not him. And so and when we remove his judgment, we say, well, if he's not a God of judgment, then he's not really a God who cares so much about obedience. And so obedience is never even a place on your radar. It never even comes in. And so fear of the Lord for you is something that, that was Old Testament. I don't really have to have this idea of fear anymore and there are some that might have some other ideas of what fear is too but i think the biblical aspect of fear here it doesn't mean that we are that we cower away from him it doesn't mean that we're afraid of him that we're just terrified of him i think the fear of the lord here means that we just simply take god seriously for for who he is like we we actually believe that he is god that he has power he has authority over our lives that we're not the center of the world, that he gets to have that authority. He gets to have that focus and attention. I think like the, the fear is to know that his authority is always going to, it's always going to supersede my desire, my, 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 and my propensity to live autonomously as a center of my own little life, right? My own little king, my own little queen sitting on my own little throne in the center of my world. I think it's to know that he actually gets to call the, the shots, And so fear of the Lord means that I bring him out from the fringes of my life. So where I've I've asked him to revolve around me or where I've unintentionally pushed him out on the fringes and the peripheral of my life to bring him back in and say, you know what? You're no longer going to stay on the outside. You're going to be the center of my world. You're going to be the thing, the person, the God that I revolve everything else around. You're not on the outside. You're the very center and the foundation. But the problem is that there's so many things that are competing for the center stage of our life, isn't there? There's some really good things that compete for the center stage of our life. And then there are some things that compete for the center stage of our life that are just so unhealthy and so sinful and that lead us into these patterns where not only have we pushed him on the outside, we almost feel like it's better to have him on the outside than rather than to be on the inside. There's so many things that are competing for that top spot in our life, the center stage of our life. And what happens is, those things that are competing sometimes, we give so much weight and so much value and so much importance in our life that everything that we are and everything that we do now begins to bow down to those things. Begins to bow down to the thing that has taken the place of God in our lives. And what happens is the fear of the Lord is gone. We just totally remove the, the fear of the Lord. And you know that the fear of the Lord is, is gone when we reach up willingly or unwillingly and we take him by the hand and we walk him off the throne and lead him to the outer places of our life, we lead him out to the fringes of our life. And we say, you know what? I've got control now. That's how we know when we've got to that place. The fear of the Lord is gone. When I was in uh, the army a long, long time ago, um, my boss, the army, and all the bosses that were above me, 
said that I had to be at work at 6.30 in the morning, right? I had to show up. I had to have um, a gray shirt on and black shorts on like everybody else who was around me and I had to have one running shoes. That was a uniform. You show up at 6.30, you'd be ready to do PT and to go out and run. We're going to do these certain tasks. And when those tasks are done, you're going to go home. You're going to take a shower. You're going to come back and you're going to have a green top on. You're going to have green bottoms on. You're going to have boots on. You're going to be in the uniform that I tell you to be in at nine o'clock. You're going to be standing in formation. And then after you do the task of your job throughout the day that are given to you to do, then at five o'clock, we're going to stand in formation and then we're going to say, oh, and everybody's going home, right? That was what my boss told me that we had to do. Now, try to imagine this, okay? Try to imagine I show up to, to my boss's office. I walk in the door and say, hey, you know, I know you said that we're supposed to be here at 630. Like we're supposed to show up and that, that's when we're supposed to be here, but I'm not really a morning person. And so I think that I, I, instead of coming in at 6.30, I'm, I'm more like, I like to wake up at noon. I'll, I'll show up around noontime. And you know that whole uniform thing that everybody is supposed to be in? I'm not really a uniform kind of a person. And so and instead of like putting on that uniform, I'm just going to really, I'm going to wear whatever I want. Is that okay? And, and then I, I know that you've got tasks and jobs that are outlined for me to do, that that's my job. But, you know, I'm not really into the things that you're asking me to do. So I'm just going to come. When I show up in whatever I want to wear at whatever time I want to come, I'm just going to do whatever it is that I want to do when I get there. Does that sound good to you? I don't think I would have been employed by the Army for very much longer, right, if that would have been my mentality. Now, now, now try to put your own self in that perspective. You were to walk in your boss's office and to say, I know that you've given me a uniform to wear. I know you've given me a time when I'm supposed to be here, and you've given me a task to do. And, 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 but I don't want to do anything that you've told me to do. Nothing that is correlating to the job that you've given me to do. You think that would go well with your boss? No, right? Because we're not taking the role, the job, the place. We're just not taking it seriously at all. That's just, that's just not how um, we're, we're just not doing that very, very well, right? And so I think it's the same when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. Not that we're following these rules, to say, wear this, say this, do this. But the fear of the Lord, it takes this relationship seriously. We don't just walk into the office and say, you know what? I'm gonna, I know you've said this is how life with you works and this is where blessing comes from, that I'm just going to come in and I'm going to do my own thing. It's just not how it works. Because blessing is in the, the way that God has lined it up. So it doesn't work that way. It, it's, it's his way that leads to, to blessing. And so... Joshua says, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Now, watch what he says um, next in verse 14. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, remember, part of Israel's history is getting stuck into this spiral vortex, right, of being blessed by God, setting him aside, stepping into the center circle, everything revolving around them, their desires and their passions get distorted. They run after other um, uh, crutches. They run after other vices and other gods. They value the things that the land values and it pushes their value away from God. And not their, not that God doesn't value them, but their value of him. And then God comes in, he disciplines them, brings them back to a place of reconciliation and restoration so that they can experience his goodness. That's the pattern. That's what their experience has been. That's the pattern of the ancestors. And Joshua just points this out. They watched their mamas and their daddies and their aunts and uncles go in patterns of destructive behavior that not only affected their lives, but it had ripple effects into their own lives, right? 
And some of you are here and you say, man, that's my story. I watched my mom and my daddy, my grandma, grandpa, my uncle, and uh, my aunt and uncle. I watched them walk in these patterns of destruction where I watched them fall away. I watched them live in patterns of sin. And that had ripple effects into my own life. And it's, been, it's marked me. It's damaged me. And you're saying, man, that's my story. And Joshua says, man, set all of this aside. Don't repeat what you saw your ancestors do. Put away the gods and the lifestyle that led towards sin, destruction, and taking our focus away from God, taking, our, uh, taking his grace for granted. He says, put it away. And his heart cry here is simply get rid of the competing gods. Push them to the peripheral. Don't, don't push God to the peripheral. Push those things out. And of course, this is in the context. This is Joshua talking about the false gods and the idols of the land, right? But if we were to take that and to put this into our context, and an idol isn't just something that we physically walk up to and bow down to, right? It is just not. I've been to some pretty wild places uh, around this world. None, none more wild and entertaining and, and meaningful to me, though, as in India. I've been there a couple times. Tony and I actually went a, a, few, a couple years ago. And while we were there, there are temples all over the place that are set up. And there are idols inside of those temples. And, and the idols aren't just reserved for temples. Like there, there are idols everywhere. You can actually, you can drive down through Omaha and you can see some of these, some, something that's similar that in driving around India. There, there are temples that are set, just physical places where people bring all of their devotion, all of their worship to, and they physically bow down, offering everything that they have to this, right? But that's, that, that's from a physical, if we were to put this into our context right now here in this place, idol, idols aren't always physical idols. Idols are God's that our idols are these things that we bow down to with our mind. It can be anything that grips the affection and the desires of our hearts. It can be anything that takes our focus. Idols are anything that we look to for our source of purpose and our source of provision, right? And so an idol for us can be money, it can be power, it can be popularity, it can be sex, it can be influence, it can be a person, it can be an ideal that we have that everything has to work around me. And I would even say from the perspective that we're talking from this morning, from the place of center stage, that the, the idea of us having the world revolving around us can be an idol that we live into as well. And so Joshua says, put away the gods that your father served beyond the river. Put them away. Serve the Lord. Stop pulling God off the throne and make him the center of your life. Stop pulling God off the throne and, and putting a, a false substitute, a junkie substitute in its place, whether it's ourselves or whether it's something else. And so I just want to ask you a question. Like, who's sitting on the throne in your life right now? Like, like when you look at your circles, the circles that you drew in your mind a little bit ago, when you draw that circle, are, are, are you in the center of that thing? Who's in the middle? Because it's so easy for us to walk up into the office and say, I know the way that you've designed it, but I'm going to choose to find blessing in the way that I want, to do things my own way. I'm going to point out to you what Joshua says next. It's actually a decision that I'm going to ask for us to make in just a few minutes here, okay? Look at verse 15. He says, and if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the God your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. I want you to imagine, like, like Joshua, he's standing in front of people and he's saying something that is not popular in the land amongst the pagans who are there, but he's saying something that's not even popular amongst those who have been called God's people. 
to, to give an ultimatum to say, hey, you choose for yourselves who you're going to serve today. It was not, it's not the thing that you, that you say, this is not how you uh, win friends and influence people, okay? This is not what he was all about. He didn't care about that. His desire and his heart's cry was that people would obey the Lord and walk in fellowship with him. That's what he's after in this moment. And so he says, okay, regardless of what you guys choose, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Listen, listen to that, dads. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Listen to that, moms. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to draw the circle, not around ourselves. We're going to draw the circle around the Lord. We're going to look to his ways. We're going to look to his desires. We're not going to look from our own perspective. The world isn't going to revolve around us. We're going to put him in the center, and then everything else is going to revolve around him. Can you imagine the perspective change that we have when we take ourselves off the throne and we bow to him instead of everybody bowing to us. Joshua says, as for me and my house, regardless of what you do, this was not a popular decision in, in the culture, right? And this is not a popular decision in our culture even today, even amongst church people. For me to even say that right now, like to choose today, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. There's a bit of a tension in some of you. I know there is. Because we just don't talk about that. We don't give these, these calls to say, you know what, separate yourself from a world that is dying to bring you towards it and, and to bring yourself closer to a Savior who died so that you can have everything that he's given to bless you with. His life and the creative work of his hands. We just don't do that, right? And so Joshua, in the midst of a, um, a public scrutiny, in the midst of awkwardness, he says, choose yourself today who you're going to serve. The gods of your ancestors? The gods of this land, or are you going to choose today to follow after the Lord God? And then the people answered, and they said, far be it from us that we should choose to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. <laughs> and a few verses later in 19, Joshua said to the people, listen to me, guys, you're not able to serve the Lord because he's a holy God. There's no way you can do it. You can't do this with your own power. You can't do this by pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. You can't do this by willpowering your mind into this. He says, you can't do it. This is much bigger than your ability. And they said, no, it's not. <laughs> we can do it. We can do it. We can make ourselves do it. And then in verse 21, they say, and the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. He says, okay, then. Verse 22, your witness is against yourself that you've chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we're witnesses. And, and he said, then here's what you do. You draw the circle around God and not yourself. He says, put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve. And his voice, we will obey. And then the rest of Joshua says um, that uh, he goes and Joshua dies. And then what happens after Joshua dies? <laughs> They're faithful until the moment he's gone. And then when he's gone, they go right back to the, the spiral circle again. They just go right back to it. And so I, I just want to have a, a, a real talk with you here for a minute, right? Like the this passage just kind of moves us to make a decision towards the Lord. It, it just really does. Like to, to choose the uncomfortable place of saying, you know what? I'm not going to worry about what the world says. I'm not going to worry about my culture says. I'm not going to continue to live in this place where everything is about me inside of my circle. But I'm actually going to step out of that. And one of the things is that really involves us making a, making a, a, a healthy decision to say, you know what? I do have sin in my life. There's, no one, there's none of us here who doesn't have sin. Actually, uh, John says that uh, 
the person who says that they have no sin, they only, they're trying to deceive themselves and they're trying to make God to be a liar. And, and so if we're dishonest with ourselves, there's no one of us here that are sitting without sin. And scripture actually says that we've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God, right? And the just judgment for that is, is death, right? But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, the Lord. And so the issue that we're dealing with here is not the fact that we just continue to run to sin. For some of us, in this place of having a relationship with God, it's just simply that we've pushed him to the outside fringes of our life. And so part of us is just realizing, God, I've done that. I've drawn a circle around myself and I've lived like the world is revolving around me. But I don't want that to be the way that I walk out of here. I don't want the world to be revolving around me. I want to step outside. I want to put you in the place that you deserve. And I want my life to be aligned for your good things. I want my life to be aligned for your truth. I want my life. I want you to tell me how to live my life. And the, and the very truth is that Jesus came so that we could do that. He came so that, jo- so that what Josh was saying, guys, you can't do this. He wasn't lying. They couldn't do that. They couldn't follow all with full obedience. They couldn't do the things that Josh was asking them because they didn't yet have the sacrifice and grace of Jesus. They, they were prone to sin. They were prone to fall. But that's not true of us. We have Jesus who has taken our sin. We have Jesus who's moved us outside of the circle and he's taken up the just place in that place, right? And so we can live in this place of obedience, not because we willpower ourselves to do it, because we have a God who lives inside of us through his son Jesus, through the sacrifice that he made. He put his spirit to live inside of us so that we can experience the goodness of his blessing. So that he can be with us and not only with us, so that we walk in obedience to him. And when we walk in obedience, there is blessing with him, right? They couldn't do what Joshua asked them to do. They needed Jesus. And so for us, we have Jesus. And so the question on the table is, who are we going to choose? Are we going to, are we going to choose the ancestral gods of the past? Are we going to choose to live by the way of the land? Are we going to choose today to follow the Lord who says, if you follow in this way, this is where blessing lies. Are we going to follow after him? And I, I just am thankful for a God that has given us his word, who's given us the promise that he'll be with us in the, the middle of it. And I imagine, like as we step outside of the circle and we put him on the, the throne, it's not that we don't have problems. It's that we don't go through those problems alone. It's that he walks with us in the midst of it, right? And so the tough decision is to step outside of the circle Stop letting the world revolve around you and to look from a different perspective to put Jesus on the throne. Let's pray. Father, thanks for the extra minutes that we have this morning. Um, In the heat, in the sun, thanks for the breeze. Um, But Lord, you put this message on my heart, whether it's delivered well or not, this message is on my heart, Lord, just of a place of obedience for us, where we walk in the truth of your blessing, where, God, you desire to give us good things. You call us to places of obedience. and, And your grace is good. Your grace is so good for us. But your grace doesn't mean that we don't obey. Your grace leads us to the place where we can obey. And Father, you've just been putting that on my heart. So thanks that we get the opportunity to talk about that this morning. I pray for my brothers and sisters who have allowed you to be on the fringes of the life, just as I've allowed you to be on the fringes of the life. And I know what that feels like because this is my story. But it's so nice living with you in control and not living in my own circle, God. And so I pray that for my brothers and sisters that you would help, help us all to choose, choose you, to choose life, to choose your goodness, to choose what you've done for us, to choose that we don't have to control things. Like we can live according to your obedience and you get to uh, control the outcomes of that. And I pray for my brother or my, my friends here too that aren't yet brothers and sisters in Christ that have never decided to put you on the throne in their life at all. 
I want to pray, Father, that they would trust the sacrifice that Jesus made for them. That you were such a good God that you would send your son Jesus to die for them and it doesn't make any sense to us, but you would send Jesus to die and because he died, we don't have to in that physical form to take on our own sin like that. He took that for us and now we get to apply his righteousness to our life and we get to live in this perfect union with you. And one day we'll get to see you face to face. And I pray for, for my friends who haven't yet trusted Jesus. That would be the choice that they make today to put you on the throne of their life. And we're gonna worship you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys.